Hi, this is Creative Conversations, the Tiger Spirit podcast exploring and celebrating the creative process in life, the arts and business. I'm your host, Yang Mei Ui. I'm an author and podcaster. In this episode, I talk to Stevie Hendon, author of spiritual fantasy novels inspired by his multi-generational connection with London. Our conversation was first recorded for another podcast, South London Voices. I'm streamlining my podcasts into one single podcast here at Creative Conversations, so I I am republishing this wide-ranging conversation with Stevie here. As the original podcast was called South London Voices, you will hear a lot of discussion focused on South London. But my fascination with creativity in all its diverse forms means that invariably Stevie Hendon and I also talk a lot around creative themes such as writing, stories around his family, history and architecture. I hope you enjoy this episode all about family, flying bombs and fantasy. Stevie Hendon, you have quite a long-term connection with South London. I do indeed. Um, I think there's not not that many people I meet who can um, demonstrate some tentacles that sort of go quite so far back. Um, Although I will sort of qualify um, sort of South London slightly um, by saying I I actually have sort of tentacles that extend into both South London and East London. Um, because my, my, my father's family were very much um, South Londoners. Um, my mother's family were EastEnders. But we'll talk about the South London yes. today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very proud of both parts. Of you know. course. Um, but yes, I mean, I can, I mean I've, I've done uh, quite a lot of research, you know, ancestry.com, you know, on the internet uh, of my family tree. And I've been able to um, trace my father's family um, in South London back to about the late, um, late 18th, early 19th sort of century. Um, and in my, but all sides of my father's family was the Deptford, um, Bermondsey, Rother High. So they were sort of basically South London Cockneys. Um, it, it, it was that part of the world. Um, then lastly, you know, there's, there's lots of different threads to the family, and I won't be sort of bore you with, with, with all of them. But um, you know, of, of more recent times, um, I've got very strong Dulwich connections on my on my father's side. Um, my great grandparents um, came to live in Marmora Road um, in can't the exact year, 1905, something like that. And uh, then my they they last lived in Burbage Road. And my grandparents lived in Therapian Road, um, and then laterally at 75 Dovercourt Road, um, which was my sort of first connection with Dulwich as a child. Right. And so can you tell us a little bit about the story of your family in terms of, you know, what they were doing and mm-hmm. how they obviously slowly, slowly came up in the world? Yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's very, I think it's very interesting when, when one does, um, you know, family research, seeing how... The, the, the growth of the, 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 the cities in the 19th century sort of sucked 
people in, which was the case because prior to that period the majority of the population was rural and it was only after the Industrial Revolution that it became predominantly urban and I, I can certainly see that with my family because you know, sort of prior to that kind of period you know, the, the Hendons you know, sort of came from somewhere in Kent, it's a Kentish name, you know, Hendon, it's a very, you know, it's a very Kentish thing um, but then they, you know, they come into London you know, with the Industrial sort of Revolution and um, my, my grandfather's sort of side of the family who were the, the Hendons um, they they were sort of very very working class. Um, there was there seemed to be a several generations um, of them who were iron moulders. I'm not entirely sure what an iron moulder is, but <laughs> it's something very industrial. <laughs> um, and as I say, they they very much part from um, sort of the Bermondsey um, and Deptford part of the world. Um, my grandmother's family, um, who were called Young. Um, had actually sort of become somewhat middle class a little bit sort of earlier on um, and in the mid 19th century they had a they ran a baker's um, in Clapham in Manor Street in Clapham um, and then for reasons which we, we will never know I think one, one of the sons obviously went to a good school and started to do well um, and ended up in some, some kind of law or sort of something like that and they, 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 they migrated to North London and uh, my, my grandmother was actually born in Claremont Square in Clerkenwell, uh, which I have visited. And then it was only latterly, um, as my great-grandfather did very well, um, he was a manager at a, um, a bookbinders um, called Air and Spottiswood. I've never heard of, but they, apparently they were the, the royal bookbinders, and that's when they moved to, um, you know, th th Thropia, uh, sorry, rather, Marmara Road, and you know, but, 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 but bought a, a great big house there. So he must have become, you know, quite successful um, at that point. Um, and then my grandmother, my grandfather, so they. I think she might have married somebody a little bit more working class than her. <laughs> Those things happened, you know. Uh, but my grandfather did well, and he was. Um, so the, this is the, the, this is my grandfather and my grandmother who lived at 75 Dover Court Road by this time, and my grandfather was an accountant um, for the gas board, um, and he was based um, on the North Greenwich Peninsula. Um, where the um, the where the dome where the O2 is now, so he used to get the tram from Lordship Lane to um, uh, the, the North Greenwich Peninsula every day. And one of the one of the um, knock-on effects um, of him being um, a uh, an accountant for the gas board um, was that even in the 1960s, my grandmother had gas light in the house. Gosh! Um, so the house on 75 Crow Road had gas light. They had electric as well, but. There, there were a, a proportion because he, I don't know whether he got it cheap or free, uh, but uh, there quite a lot of the house was lit by gas. And I, I don't know whether you're familiar with it, young mate, probably not, you're far too young. Um, <laughs> but gaslight has a very specific smell from, from the mantles. And you know, when, when, when you talk about these things, um, you know, I can still you know, get an essence um, of that now um, after. Years. <laughs> this is so fascinating because in the way the story of your family is the story of London and, yes. and, and, and the British people in yes. terms of the industrial revolution from an agricultural country yes. we became industrial yes. and then through education um, and the, the value of education for your family yes. helped them you know, have a leg up yes. and also hard work, you know, yes. a lot of hard working people in yes. your family that have made good for themselves. Yes, it's an education, hard work and I think 
you know, sort of following on sort of from the, the same thing, it, it's the growth of the middle classes. So, you know, the Industrial Revolution, you know, sort of first, as they sucked people in, you know, from, from the rural parts into the cities. But then on the back of that, you know, in the late 19th century, you know, we see the growth of, of, of the middle classes, you know, which is, you know, which is, you know, seems to be the story with my family. Yes, and so which bring, to, to bring us up to date, mm-hmm. um, tell us a little bit about you and, and your life here mm-hmm. in South London. Right. Um, well, I've lived um, in South London the vast majority of my life. Um, I had a, a, a brief spell when I was in my teens. My parents moved out to Surrey, um, and then as soon as I could escape, I came back again. <laughs> um, the, um, the, you know, the, the stockbroker belt of lifestyle doesn't really, really, really appeal to me, um, and South London always had a, had a great draw. Um, so I've lived um, all of my um, all of my adult life within about a two mile radius um, of, of Dulwich, of London Dulwich. Um, I've always been able to see the Crystal Palace transmitter, um, so I feel sort of very very attached to here, and I feel very part of here. I mean, Neil and I's um, my my husband is called Neil, and. Uh, our, our big adventure a few years ago was we went as far as Surrey Keys. <laughs> <laughs> that felt quite, it was nice, you know, I don't have a problem with it, but it felt very strange because that was three miles away possibly, you know. And so South London is in your blood. So it's in my blood, yeah. absolutely. And so yeah. what is it about South London that you know, keeps you here and that you really love about it? <sighs> there are so many things. Um, you know, I mean, I think... Part of it is not to do with the place, it's to do with me. Um, and I'm a person that becomes very attached to things and places and people. Um, so therefore, um, the concept of actually moving somewhere else becomes quite difficult. Um, I, I, I love the familiarity, you know, that I mean, I went to school in Penge, you know, my family, my, you know, my father's family lived here, my mother's family lived in Beckenham, so I've, I've, this has been my circulation area all, all, all my life, um, and, and that, that feeling of familiarity, of knowing every road and every place actually is something that makes me feel personally extremely comfortable. Um, however, in spite of the fact that I'm saying I'm a person that doesn't like moving very much, that's kind of negative in a way. Um, if, if I didn't, if I didn't like here and South London, I, I would leave. I mean, there is no question. So there are, apart from the sort of slightly negative things that don't like moving, there is there is an awful lot of positivity about the fact of wanting to be. And I say so I think you know I could that there are just so many aspects of that answer to that question you know there's there's the, the you know there's the family connection so it, you know it's feeling that I you know I, I got you know those roots I think is, is important to me um, but then actually sort of looking about sort of some of the um, sort of characteristics of sort of South London um, I've always liked it because it's um, you know to one degree another multicultural um, I don't want to live in a um, in an environment that is 100% anything. I like a I like a melting pot. Diverse melting pot is very important for me. Um, I like what I particularly like um, is the, the the stretch of South London that runs along the line of what was the the, the old Great North Wood. 
um, sort of from Crystal Palace through Dulwich through Sydney. So you have this lovely ridge um, punctuated by woodland, you know, sort of Dulwich Wood and um, you know Montree Hill and sort of places like that, which I think are absolutely stunning. Um, and also, I, 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 I like the I like the feeling of height um, and the fact that you can look down onto the city, which I think is very beautiful. Um, and the views from places like um, Canterbury Road and Forest Hill, for example, which I think they call the Forest Hill Alps, um, or from the top of um, uh, Gypsy Hill, uh, Crystal Palace, looking down over, over London, I think are absolutely amazing. So I, I, I love that. I always remember when I was when I was living in um, Crystal Palace in the late seventies, and I had a I used to I used to go to a barber's there. He was like a uh, an old Greek Cypriot guy who had sort of come here after the war, and I, I think a lot of the barbers were Greek Cypriots, you know, sort of at that time. And he told me that he previously lived I can't remember what it was, but some, somewhere further in, you know, um, and he was advised to move to Crystal Palace because the air was good. <laughs> <laughs> so I do, I do. I love the, the feeling of you know the hills and the height and the greenery that goes with that. You know, I, lo I love the woodland um, and I love the parks and I mean, we are extremely blessed, um, you know, with, with green space. So that that's very important to me. Um, I actually really, I, I really like, I, I really like the architecture as well because I think that South London has got such a diverse, um, you know, we've got some really interesting buildings like you know, the Picture Gallery and um, you know, Ornaments and Greenwich and sort of things like that. You know, we've got a great range of, um, you know, we've got some really sort of intriguing sort of Victorian you know, Gothic um, mansions. Um, you know, we have some very interesting, in Dulwich, we have some very interesting um, 1960s modernist, um, you know, properties, you know, a fantastic range of really interesting, um, very varied. I find some parts of London much more uniform, and I think one of the things I love about something, it's all, it's all very varied and sort of mixed up. Um, eclectic, you know, is a word I would use. Um, and then I also like, I like some of the, um, you know, all sort of melting pots like sort of Brixton and Dulwich, you know, so Dulwich, I mean Peckham, uh, you know, which are really, you know, really sort of vibrant, you know, sort of crazy places, you know, you, sort of go, you go to Peckham and you can buy every type of possible plastic bucket, um, every type of vegetable that you've actually never heard of, <laughs> and it's incredibly sort of, you know, incredibly vibrant, you know, sort of kind of atmosphere, so I really like that as well. And I also like the fact that South London has changed. Um, I mean, I know there is a lot of discussion about um, gentrification, and you know there are those who condemn gentrification as, be, as being wholly bad. Um, and I, I, I would argue that I think it's a matter of proportionality and balance. Um, and uh, certainly in my my my, my lifetime, um, I've seen South London sort of move from being. <laughs> It was a bit drab, you know. It was never as bad as people made out it was, <laughs> um, but it was a bit drab, and you couldn't you couldn't actually eat out or go to the shops or do anything cultural, you know. It, it was it was a bit of a drab place. I always liked it, but now you know we have you know fantastic food culture, and you know Peckham, for example, um, has probably some of the most cutting edge um, you know food places in London. You know, which is great. So I really like that that change. And yes, we don't want to go to Brixton or Peckham, and, and it ought to have been homogenised into chain coffee shops and things. So that that's the sort of the extreme of gentrification. But from you know, where it stands at the moment, 
we've got you know, fantastic restaurants and cafes and interesting shops you know, on every corner. I, I think I, I think it's a, a, a pretty good position for it to have gotten into. And um, one of the things I think that um, I was just think, thinking about uh, as, as you were speaking was, um, I, for one thing, I just love that lyrical description that you that you, you had of the the, the, the beautiful hills mm -hmm. and, and the woods and all mm -hmm. that, and, and and also the vibrancy of you know that, that contrast with 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 that yes. of you um, of the urban uh, environment. Yes. Um, but what I was thinking about um, actually that touched my heart was really about family. Mm -hmm. And I, I have um, ancestry um, envy to mm -hmm. some extent because <laughs> your family has been in this one place yes. um, for several, many, many generations, yes. going back to Victorian times. Yes. And of course, my family um, were originally from China, yes. and they migrated due to hardships and famine and yes. so on to Malaya, as it then was, mm -hmm. now Malaysia. Mm -hmm. And then um, I have migrated from, from Malaysia here to, to, to the UK, and mm -hmm. I've been in the UK now for about ooh, 40 years, yes. <laughs> giving away my age here, um, and in South London for about 15 years. Uh -huh. and, and I think um, also my, my siblings are, are sort of in the area as well. And, for me, this idea of being settled in one place, mm. um, and I don't have as long a connection with, mm. uh, as you with mm. South, South London, but I feel very settled here. And I think that's partly why I wanted to create this podcast, yes. because I realise I've got so many wonderful and interesting friends and people that I know in South London, and I want to celebrate them, um, and, yes. and you're one of them. And also just to celebrate the place, the place that I'm now calling home. Um, and and this, I, this sense of South London as a melting pot, mm. that there is the history of mm. um, people like you and other families like yours who have been here for generations, and also all those other people who have come um, over the years, the Greek Cypriots, who have enriched it you know, yeah, so much yeah, exactly, into, exactly. into making sort of what, what it is now. And I think, you know, if I can just sort of cut in there for a moment, uh, you know, I think what struck me as you were saying that is. It, it, it's almost like what, what we're both saying is a little bit of an antithesis to what a lot of people aspire to these days. Because so many people like move around the world all the time and they want to be here for six months and there for six months. And and what, what you know what we're talking about, you know, is the value of um, establishing roots. And I mean, your roots are pretty long here. <laughs> you know. Um, for me, having that sort of sense of ancestral roots as well, it just adds, 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 adds an extra dimension to that. I actually, I remember talking about this once, you know, not, not that long ago with somebody, and she, she said to me, where have you lived? She said, you never lived in another city. I said, no, I don't want to. <laughs> and I, I, I don't think, and I, I'm not judging anybody else's choices, um, but I, I, I think that sometimes the, you know, the concept of, you know, sort of attachment and community and roots um, becomes a little bit undervalued um, in, in, in today's very fast world. And, you know, we're all different, and I know other people want to operate in different ways, but that, that's how I've wished to make myself feel comfortable, is by making those kind of connections mm -hmm. um, and having the family ones you know that go back all those years just it just kind of gives that extra dimension of you know making one feel attached 
Yes, yes, it's great. So just moving on now, um, uh, in terms of some of the history that, uh, of, that, that is, has also inf affected your, your family mm -hmm. is, of course, World War II yes. um, and, and the bombs that fell mm -hmm. on London, particularly South London, yes. um, and its impact on South London. Um, uh, can you tell us a bit about what you've researched? and, and uh, Yes, of course I can. Um, I mean, I, 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 I was sort of you know, brought up from the you know knee high onwards with you know my mother telling me you know stories of what happened during the war and my grandmother telling me stories of what happened during the war. So I always found it rather intriguing, um, and um, I probably had a bit of a morbid fascination with it in, in, in a way. And uh, and then sort of so I, I, I had that you know as these various sort of family stories you know sort of going on. And um, my family were very fortunate. I mean nobody got you know killed. Um, but there was, you know, sort of there, there, there were stories you know, of, of the experience of living through that period, and I think lastly, um, what sort of intrigued me on the subject, um, particularly in relation to the, the, the bombing of London, um, was really um, because I'm interested in architecture and in and, and infrastructure and, and environment. Is how how how, how did how did this place come to be like it is? What 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 are the what are the factors that have created this place? And, you know, you drive around and you know you suddenly go, hang on, that 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 that, that, bit, that, that bit looks really different. <laughs> how, how did it end up like that? So, and very often that is caused because of bombing. And um, I think for me that was quite both both those things, both the stories that I heard, you know, from when I was a child. And then being very interested sort of in infrastructure and architecture, um, sort of fired me to want to know more. Um, so when I was having a little bit of a, a, a lull from working a few years ago, um, I decided that I wanted to actually, um, I, I wanted to do, I wanted to undertake some research. Um, and specifically um, on the part of the bombing of London, which was the the, the vengeance weapon attacks, um, and this, these were the attacks which were undertaken by Hitler um, from uh, June 1944, um, using first the uh, the V1 flying bomb, which was a cruise missile, um, and then secondly uh, the V2 rocket, which was a ballistic missile. And I, I I found this this particularly intriguing, so I I, I spent. Lots of hours. <laughs> I have no idea how many. Um, in quite a, a quite a, in researching in quite a lot of different libraries and archives, um, but the most of the time um, in the London Met London Metropolitan Archive, uh, which is in Clerkenwell, which is just one of those magical places, you know, where you can sit in absolute peace, surrounded by huge amounts of documents and maps, and um, you know, people very quietly sort of researching. Um, so basically, using the information that they have there as my primary tool, I was able to compile a, 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 a record um, of um, the, the, the V1 and the V2 attacks across. I didn't, I couldn't do the whole of London. I mean, it was would have been enormous, uh, but I, I did it across like most of South London. Um, and then I translated that information onto a website, um, which is still which is still running. Um, and you know, I pe people have been very interested in that over the years. 
um, because they, you know, they, they've emailed me and sort of gone, well, you know, what, what happened in my street? And I go, okay, I can tell you, on the 31st of June, 30th of June, 1944, and because people are very intrigued by this, either because they want to know how their street ended up looking like it is, um, or perhaps they have family who were injured um, or sadly killed um, sort of during the period. And the, the, fly, the fly bombs and the rocket attacks were enormously instrumental in shaping South London as we know it. Yeah, And it's only when you, you really start to study the statistics that you realise quite how much, because the I mean, during the Blitz, which was conventional bombing in 1940-41, I mean, South London was bombed, um, but it was really the East End and the docks and the city that, that had the highest concentrations. Um, but during the um, V1 and V2 attacks, um, a lot of them fell short, um, and the V1s particularly, because they were far from Normandy, when they fell short, they fell in South London. Um, so it, it, it has changed the, the infrastructure and the architecture um, in, in large swathes. And you, you know, you, you, I, I can drive you around across the sand and say, hey, uh, that's, that, that's, why, that's why it looks like it. And for me, there's just something eminently fascinating about that. Yeah, absolutely yeah. fascinating. And um, unfortunately, that, I mean, that can make a whole podcast in itself. Absolutely. So, um, we, we, <laughs> I won't go on too long about it. <laughs> Maybe check up on your website and find mm. out more about what you yeah. found out. Well, what's the what's the web? Link? It's um, flyingbombsandrockets.com. Thank you. Now moving on to your novels, you are a very uh, eclectic Renaissance man. I am a very eclectic <laughs> Renaissance man. I, I like that actually. I, I remember that. Thank you. So your, your novels, which you describe as spiritual fantasy, what, what's that all about? Yeah, I mean, I think I think. I used those words when I was sort of searching to describe the genre, but I mean, I'm not sure there is a genre, actually. <laughs> but you know, sometimes you have to pigeonhole things a little bit. Um, so, it probably does, it, it does give a little bit of a flavour, um, you know, about what I write about. Um, so my, my first book, um, which is called uh, The Lost Boy, The Doodle Boat, um, and mysterious number eighty. Um, it's um, gosh, it's 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 a time travel story, and uh, it's also managed to get flying bombs in it as well. Of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and it's set in a it's set in a you know slightly um, fantasy road in Dulwich. <laughs> so there, there there is a lot in it about South London. Um, there's a lot in it. None of it, people keep, people always say to me, oh, is it, is it your story? And I say, no, it's not my story. It, but it's, there are inspirations of, yeah? There are, there are references to and inspirations of, but you know, it's not my story at all. And, um, but it's also, um, it, it's quite, I mean, it is quite spiritual because there's quite a lot of, it, it, yeah, it gets quite deep in, about fate, um, you know, and how much control um, we have over our own destinies, and as to how much of that question mark is mapped out for for us um, in advance, it's also a love story. Um, and you know, being that I am gay, um, it is you know the, the, it is predominantly you know gay gay characters um, in the story too. 
and um, yeah, it's 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 fantasy um, very much because it's it's time travel. It's um, and so you also have a second book. I also have a second book as well. Um, so that my second book is called The Amazing Tale of Van Achenwald and the Gold Sovereign. This the, the, the sort of the, the inspiration for this one really is my ancestry um, because I had a great great grandmother called Anna came from Germany and lived in Whitechapel in the 1870s. And that's my mother's side, that's my East End side of the family. And um, so in, in the story in the book is not her story. <laughs> um, but you know, in, um, in, 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 in the Anna story, I mean, it's, it's the same kind of character. She comes from Germany in the 1870s and she comes to live in Whitechapel and she gets wrapped up with the people um, around Jack Ripper in the 1880s. Um, and she escapes from almost being killed by Jack Ripper in the 1880s. But the, the, and I don't want to give it away because people will hopefully read it at some point. Um, but it, it, what, what the whole thing actually hinges on the end is, is it, it, it's a bit of a, a what if. And, and it, it's a what if she had? And what if she hadn't? And there is a moment in the book where she could be killed, and she doesn't. Oh. And then there, it, so it, there is again a strong. Um, there's a lot about fate and destiny and the afterlife. Wow! <laughs> so intriguing. Two novels by Stevie mm -hmm. Hendon that have. Fly Rockets and Bombs, <laughs> Fate, Fantasy, A Gay Love Story, Jack the Ripper, and of course South London and yes, East London. because of course these things are all from the eclectic, how did you put the it? Renaissance man. The Renaissance Man's head. <laughs> <Man's laughs> Wonderful. And actually if you go to Amazon.co.uk and mm -hmm. type in Stevie's name, Stevie Hendon, these mm -hmm. books will come up. They do indeed, yes. Fantastic. So now, moving on to our final question. Um, you're very involved in the local community. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell us about that? Yeah, and um, you know, since Neil and I, I mean, Neil and I have lived in Court Lane for it'll be 14 years on the 16th of April. Um, da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> which is, you know, we, we feel like we're, we're just about becoming established residents now, you know, <laughs> which is nice. And um, we, we've always liked to, um, yeah, we like, we like to have our community roots down, um, you know, which is great. So, one of the main um, things we've done over, we've done for a number of years um, is to be heavily involved with the Dulwich Festival and particularly with the open house part of Dulwich Festival and for those who aren't familiar with Dulwich Festival open house it, it's basically artists showing their work in people's houses for the public to come and have a look. Uh, Neil and I first um, came across this maybe a year or so after we moved to to, to Court Lane and our interest was really poking around people's houses to see how they're decorated <laughs> which I think is a lot of reasons lots of the reasons why people do it yeah. it seems to be nosy but actually we, we actually came across some really nice art as well and purchased some so it works <laughs> and then we thought okay this this would be a nice thing to do um, Neil uh, my husband is um, you know he operates in a very creative world although he's not an artist um, I'm not an artist although I'm creative um, so we um over a number of years um, for the open house events um, have invited um, artists to 
um, show the work um, in our house for two days over the overcast weekend. We always have a party on the on the Friday night to launch it, which is always lively. <laughs> we do like to throw a party. Um, and that's that's been an extremely um, it, it's it's a nice thing to be involved with because you know you, you get to meet people in the community you've not met before, um, but also it's an opportunity to give a little bit of support to artists that wouldn't otherwise have anywhere to show their work. So we really enjoy doing that. Uh, other things that we have been involved in, um, we um, have a I'm I'm, I'm going to be slightly immodest. And so we so we have a lovely garden. <laughs> which is a, I've seen it, and it is yeah. a real lovely. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, which we're, uh, which I'm extremely proud of, and um, we're, we're very honoured to um, open that for the National Garden Scheme. Not every year, but for some years. And uh, for those who don't know, the National Garden Scheme is a, is an umbrella charity that um, raises money, which is then. Um, passed on to people like Macmillan or Parkinson's Research. So it's a, it's a great way of raising money. And uh, we also, we're very, we're very well known um, with our, um, uh, our NGS days because we always do cream teas and uh, uh, cakes and cream teas, which go down extremely well. And of course you can ask people for a reasonable amount of money for a cup of tea or a cake because it's all for charity. And we, we've made you know, a, a, a nice amount of money. Uh, so we're doing that this year. Um, we're also um, doing a second garden opening this year for Link Southwark. Um, for those who don't know, it's a local um, charity who help to run um, pensioners to you know, hospital appointments and to the shops and things like that, which is a you know a very good good thing to support. I've also been on the um, committee of the Friends of the Danish Picture Gallery in the past, um, so I was helping with them sort of on, on, the, on the membership side. And I've also been involved in the local gardening club. <laughs> and you write for Dulwich on View. And I write for Dulwich on View. Which, well spotted, I missed that yes, one. Which is the magazine, uh, online magazine, which I co-founded with a number of other writers and artists mm. and currently run by Shaper Begum. Um, and uh, it, it's a wonderful um, online magazine full of stuff around uh, about Dulwich um, and South London. And you write about your great passion, which is South London. Absolutely. And it, it's a very nice opportunity because I'm writing novels is a is, is is a particular type of writing. Um, I mean you know you you'll know this yourself, young May, um, because you, you've written across a, a different disciplines, haven't you? Um, and then I think writing for Dulwich on View it, it's just a different it's just a different mindset. It, it, you know it, and it's it's a really nice opportunity um, you know to be able to do that and to to share some of my you know, passions um, about, you know, why, why, why we enjoy this place that we, we inhabit. Um, Wonderful. Now, if people want to find out more about you and your books, where mm -hmm. can they go? Yes, um, there is a, I do have an, a, a, a Facebook author page. I don't have a website, very naughty, but I do have a Facebook author page, which is, which is um, Facebook um, Stevie Hendon author page. And this, in this section, I ask my guest, and, and I also uh, myself share something special relating to South London. That okay. so uh, we hope our listeners can go and check out. Maybe it's a place, a book, a story about mm. South London, a work of art, or anything really that's special to us. So, Stevie Hendon, what's your South London special? When um, you asked me to consider this, there were lots of possibilities, <laughs> um, but. I, I, I keep coming back to and, and magnetically attracted to 
um, the Crystal Palace. Um, and when I say Crystal Palace, I don't I don't mean the area. I mean specifically the Crystal Palace site and Crystal Palace Park, um, which for me is, has always been one of the most intriguing and wonderful um, things. I, I again I can blame my family for this part. <laughs> Because my, 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 when my mother was a child, um, she lived um, in, in, in Village Way in Beckenham, which is on the next reach to Crystal Palace. And she used to tell me, like, how, as a child, how she used to watch it through glinting in the sunshine and how beautiful it was. And then, of course, she was woken by my grandmother in 1936 um, to watch it burning down. She actually saw it burning down. She actually saw it burning down. So this really, this really, this really inspired me. You know, I, mean? well, I was always a very, you know, I always had a very, you know, <laughs> a brain that got inspired by things. You know, and um, so you know, latterly. Um, you know, when I was at school in Penge, there was there was always lots of horror stories by the by the boys, like, oh, you can't go up there, there's rats the size of cats, you know, and that sort of kind of thing, which was quite intriguing. Um, and then when I first lived in, in specifically in Crystal Paris, you know, up in Award in, in the late nineteen seventies, I mean I realised that, you know, you could explore this place and at that time it was more overgrown than it is now. And I don't mean the park, I mean specifically the top side. And you know, literally, you would you know you would push your way through undergrowth, and oh, there was a sphinx, <laughs> and there's just something there's something absolutely magical about it for me. Um, and I maintain that actually, if you um, go to the top site and if you close your eyes and stand there and feel with your feet, there is you can you can just feel you can just feel the history. And all the people that have been there, and the Victorian ladies, you know, wandering around looking at the exhibits and the sadness, and I, it's, just, it's, just, it's amazing. It's just so iconic. And there's lots of other little bits because there's the the Crystal Palace subway, um, which is it, it's a very very beautiful piece of architecture underneath Crystal Palace Parade, uh, which led from the Crystal Palace High Level Station into the palace, and it's the most beautiful Byzantine brickwork, uh, which is sometimes open to the public. Um, I also love um, the dinosaurs um, in Crystal Palace Park, which I just think are just like amazing. They're fabulous. They're fabulous. They're fabulous. <laughs> it's just like, it's just great. I mean, this was, this, was, this, this was Victorian, the Victorians wanting to educate, you know, so what should they do? They built metal dinosaurs and then actually if you walk past, the, there's a part of the top part of the lake where there's a, there's a, a replica coal seam. So your children could walk around and go, that's what a coal seam looks like. It's fantastic. It is, it's, it's, I, I, I love it. So it, it, that, that, that history. And I am so, um, so passionate, um, you know, about it that in, in my second book, which we were talking about earlier, I mean, part of the book, which is, in the next life is actually sort of set in a, a, a fantasy, otherworldly version, you know, of, of the Crystal Palace, wow. about 300 times the size. <laughs> yeah. So if you haven't been or if you haven't been recently, or if you love it and you go regularly, please do check out the South London special, which Absolutely. is Crystal Palace Park. So fantastic. So my South London special, mm -hmm. um, um, just listening to you speak, I've actually changed my South London <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I would say go and explore Sydenham Wood, Dulwich Wood, um, the Great North Wood in that area. Yes. Um, and walking around there, you just get a sense you're not in London. Yes, You, know, you hear the absolutely. birds, you see the trees. Absolutely. And there's this ruin, there's a folly, yes. which is like a ruined... Um, ghostly 
uh, ruin of a chapel, but actually it's a Victorian folly. It, it was the folly belonging to a house, on, yes. on, on, actually on Sydney Hill, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and you've got to love the Victorians. They've just uh, got But also, and I, I, you know, I share your enthusiasm for, for, for that place as well, but I mean also, you know, again, when you walk up the pathway through the middle of the woods, which is on the track of the old railway, um, which used to um, take people up to the Crystal Palace, again, if you just close your eyes and, and just feel yeah, yeah it, it has got this wonderful. amazing sort of sense of history. Yeah. Um, and if you go to the tunnel mouth, um, you know, at the end of the railway line, I think you can still smell a little bit of soot and um, it's, Ooh, it's really... Yes. You know. <laughs> yeah. History, nature, wildlife. Exactly, it's an amazing place. I'm, 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 I'm with you on that. You're not in London. <laughs> you're, you're somewhere else totally, aren't you? You know, when you're there. My creative conversation today was with Stevie Hendon. There are photos and links to some of the things we talked about on the show notes page. You can go there using the bit.ly short link, which is bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y, forward slash creative conversations hyphen podcast. Or you can go to tigerspirit.co.uk forward slash blog and click through to creative conversations. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Creative Conversations podcast, please share it with your friends wherever you share stuff. Or you can subscribe to the show or leave us a lovely review on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Spotify. You can find it by searching for my name, Yang Mei Ui, and I'll spell that for you. Yang Mei, Y-A-N-G hyphen M-A-Y, Ui, O-O-I. All this will help more people hear about the show. The Creative Conversations podcast is produced by tigerspirit.co.uk. The podcast web link again is bit.ly bit.ly forward slash creative conversations hyphen podcast. I'm Yang Mei Ui. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook as at tigerspiruk. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Yay!